Amen and amen. Well, that was accurate. Amen. Blessings in the name of the Lord. Thank you so much for being here. As you know, we've got a team that is uh, working their way back soon here from Ethiopia, so we want to just honor them, and that's why you see me in this shirt with hope, but hope has been our word for the year, and it's been really a prophetic word, obviously, uh, because of all the things that have gone on. Think about everything that's gone on this year, that when I came out on the first Sunday of 2015, and I said, the Lord's pressed upon my heart for the word for this year to be hope, little did we know that we would journey through all that we've journeyed through. I think about all the things that have gone on just in America and in the world at large, obviously even from what happened here in Charleston to, to all the things, to the state house, to the flag, everything that you can think of and all the ramifications. There's one thing that everybody's been weighing on. They've, everybody's got an opinion. You, 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 you go on any type of social media, somebody's got an opinion about this and somebody's got an opinion about that. And the Lord is just kind of impressing upon my heart a word that says a house divided against itself will what, saints? Yes, it will not stand. And so the bait of Satan, John Revere wrote a book years ago called The Bait of Satan. This is probably, this book's probably 16 years old, 17 years old. And it's about, the bait of Satan is about being offended. And so we walk around in society and, and it's offended. I saw something popped up, I don't know what it was, on, on Facebook and it said, okay, America, what are we going to be offended about today? And I just kind of laughed a little bit because I thought, that's, that's pretty true, isn't it? Like everybody just gets offended easily and all this other stuff. And then when you find somebody who doesn't get offended easily, you're like, yes, I can be myself. Right? You can just be yourself because they, they give you a lot of grace and they give you a lot of pass. It's like going into Golden Corral where people love Golden Corral. My family's in sin. They think it's not a good place. Well, they're not going to go to heaven because I know that Golden Corral is just like there's heaven and there's Golden Corral. Are y'all with me this morning? Like, that's Jesus. And so I, I want you to see, like, people just get offended. And, and so, like, what's the deal? Like, what's going on? And then you've got these researchers. Like, this one researcher put out on Facebook. He's like, well, um, this is what the church's response should be to uh, this community and the, this, this, all this happening in the world. And this is to the gay community and all this stuff. And I, as I'm reading this, and there's this researcher, and there's a professor. I'm not going to mention any names. Some of you would know him. It's like, this is the way it should be. And I get to point three in the in the article, and I'm like, man, I disagree with this cat. And so I'm just like, just, do I have to buy in stuff that people say is right just because they're a researcher? Listen, let's just, can, I just, can I just break down the walls a little bit? Just because somebody has a PhD doesn't mean they're any smarter than you. Well, some of you are like, that's right, I know more than my professor because common sense went right out the window. See, my point is this, just because they paid money to be more well-read and wrote some papers doesn't make them any better than you. Because there's only one who is better and there's only one who is good and his name is who? Right. Because at the foot of the cross, it is not a hill, everything is level. Oh, I know it was a hill when he got crucified. I got you. But when it comes to us being even in the Lord, whether slave nor free nor male nor female, it's all level. And there's only one who stands alone that we just sang about. And his name is Jesus. So we need hope. 
And so how do we get hope? Like, how do we get hope? And so we've journeyed. We've journeyed. In fact, I want to reiterate, what is hope? Because we learn in leadership that vision leaks. It's like a pail with holes in it, and you hold water. Vision leaks. So what is hope? Hope is what Scripture paints for us that the beauty of a relationship with Jesus looks like and the promise of the hope of being fully in his presence. First Corinthians 13, now we know in part, then what we should know fully is we're fully known. We only know in part. Some people got engaged this week. And so now, you know, they, they, they hope for what that's going to look like. There's a beautiful picture. Not to mention any names, Jay, uh, that you didn't tell me, so I'm not bitter. But I just, you know, there's this, there's this hope of beauty of marriage, right, and what it's going to look like. But, but faith is putting action to your hope. See, faith is not the picture. Hope is the picture. Faith is the action to the picture. Uh, John, back it up. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the what? Anybody know? That's right. The evidence or substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the action to the beauty of the vision. And the beauty of the vision is hope. Hope that things are going to be okay. Hope that things are going to get better. Hope that this God can do a work. Hope that God can do a miracle. That's what hope is, and that's the beauty of a relationship with Jesus. So the gospel was when Jesus stepped out of heaven and stepped on this earth and lived a perfect life so we can have his righteousness, and he died in our place being crushed by God in Isaiah 53, being crushed by God so I don't get crushed. That's why God so loves the world, because Jesus is the one who got crushed in our place, and so we receive the mercy of God. That's like part one of the gospel and so we see the beauty of jesus and we say yes we surrender like we don't just join him we just say now your life jesus is my life you know i'm not asking asking jesus to become my life because my life is messed up i've got to get to his life which is beautiful and he did this for free which means you can't lose what you didn't earn and then we get the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's like part three of the gospel. And since he seals us and he's forever with us, even when I'm not with Jesus, he's with me. And there's that hope of he can change anything. And so I walk by faith and not by sight. And I keep in step with the Spirit. I'm quoting scriptures here. And so what happens is we have hope because of the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do? How, how, how does the Holy Spirit drive hope? Well, here's one way. And the main point, this is all on Facebook at Summit Church. It's all on summitcharleston.com. All the notes. But you'll see here, the main point today that I want to get to in the Scripture is this. That the Holy Spirit increases hope through prayer. And prayer is the most difficult, listen, it's the most, well, it's probably the second most difficult thing for me. Not eating carbs is the first most difficult thing. Let's just, get, let's just get real spiritual here. Let's get real spiritual. For all you people that are on protein, I told you you're in sin. You're in sin. People didn't die and eat meat until after the fall. Jesus is the bread of life. He didn't say he's the protein of life. So you're in sin. I think, yes, praise God. Carbs are my friend. Fish are friends, not food. All right, so, Nima. And so my point in all this is that prayer is my second biggest struggle. Because if, when you pray, I don't know about y'all, does anybody get sleepy in prayer? Okay, I'm going to praise Isaac Lawrence. Praise you and I are the only people who get sleepy because we ate cars before we prayed. But that, it's, it's, it's biblical to get sleepy in prayer. 
Did you know that? Jesus returned to Peter, James, and John, and they found him asleep a couple times. He said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then jabroni, I added that. And so that's not a scripture. And I, can you stay up with me? I'm like, I'm getting ready to go, be arrested and tortured. They're like, you're my best friends. Can you stay with me? And they're like, oh, I got boo-boo in my eye. I can't. So you can laugh. It's okay. It's not unholy. I promise you, Jesus loves laughter. And so my point being in this is that prayer is very difficult, but it's through prayer that Jesus does something. So I'm going to ask the Lord today to do something the Holy Spirit to increase our hope in Jesus through prayer. So let's ask the Lord to make things very clear. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. And we ask that you do a mighty work. I'm begging you today, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus that can only come sometimes through the beauty of prayer. Prayer is difficult. Prayer is hard. It, it, it goes against all of our ADHD, all of the things that we struggle with. It goes against it because it causes us to focus on the one pure, lovely, hope, redemptor of the world in the name of Jesus. Because you came to us and Jesus taught us how to pray. He focused on prayer, was a man of prayer. We have prayer located all throughout his life, even before his biggest moments, even the cross. So, Lord, would you increase our hope through prayer? We humble ourselves before you today. We ask you to do something mighty and majestic so that people will say today, I encountered Jesus. That's what I ask. Lord, we need hope in any situation we're in. We ask all this in the matchless and wonderful name of Jesus. And we all said, what? Amen. Get your carb on. Okay, so the main idea is the Holy Spirit increases hope through prayer. Uh, Francis Chan would say the most amazing thing about prayer is that when you pray that God would answer. Like that's the greatest thing in the world. So Romans chapter uh, 8. If you have your Bibles or phone or whatever you got, it's going to be up here. No worries. Um, Romans chapter 8. And so... Uh, I'm pretty excited, too, by the way. I bought a new Bible, and I'm really, I'm really excited about it. The problem is the print's small, but y'all, y'all don't know about that. Some of y'all are in here going, that's, that's not a big deal. Well, when you get older, it becomes a big deal, all right? So, Romans chapter 8, let's just kind of begin and check out verse 14 and just see how the Holy Spirit drives prayer, increases hope in the midst of prayer. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, or what, saints? Whoo! That'll bring a chill. That'll bring a tear to a glass eye. You'll get it. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, let me make a note of how the Holy Spirit increases hope through prayer. Here is one way that the Holy Spirit increases hope through prayer. He, he does this in prayer by reminding us of our relationship with God. Look at this. The Holy Spirit increases our hope through prayer 
by reminding us of our relationship with God. If you want to be reminded of your relationship with God, then get into prayer. A lot of people that don't feel like they're close to God is because they're not praying to God. Well, I mean, that's just a fact. And we have this because of the gospel. See, that's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus is the one who seals our, 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 seals us with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. I mean, you are not going to lose what you could not earn. The problem is, a lot of people think they have what they don't have. They think they're saved. They think they're born again because they believe in God. But the problem with belief is we have turned it into an academic word that says mental ascension. I believe that there's a God and that Jesus died for my sins. But salvation occurs when we realize that we can't fix us. You can't have Jesus without a wrecked heart. You can't have Jesus without a broken heart. You can't have Jesus unless we realize, unless I realize that I have sinned and I cannot get there. But the gospel of Jesus, the good news, rescued me in any situation. Now here's the great news. If God rescued me in any situation, he can fix any situation. It was like a little echo. It was like a ripple of an amen. It was like an amen, amen. It's almost like a song. Amen, amen. Right? Yeah, now we got a bass in there. Right? You know, that's the whole thing. And because of the gospel, God gives us an opportunity. Now, we have this because of the gospel. Look at verse 12. Here's how he reminds us in prayer of the relationship with God. He says in verse 12, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That means we walk in, the st- walk in step with the Spirit. In other words, there's a relationship. This is the part of salvation that you see. Like, when you see somebody saved, who, who's saved, they love Jesus. There's a relationship. I, I see some of you, you have friends that are in relationship you're with right now. You have a relationship with somebody because you spend time with them. You're with them. And, it, and, and as you spend time in that relationship, your relationship gets stronger. If I didn't have a relationship with God, I wouldn't spend any time with God. So we put it down. People say, well, I believe in God. I believe in God. First of all, which God are you talking about? Because there's only one God, but everybody has all these false gods called idolatry. And then they don't have any relationship with Jesus. I believe Jesus. I like Jesus. I like Jesus. But they don't love Jesus. 1 Corinthians 8, 3. Those who love God are known by God. So there's this idea of relationship. And this is our most true, important relationship. Then look, at, look there in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is our most important relationship, saints. Here, Paul uses this Aramaic word. The New Testament was written in Greek and some Aramaic. Aramaic is, is, to give a quick history lesson, in Israel, um, they got taken away by the, the Syrians and, and then Judah, which was a tribe in, in Israel, like the last man standing. They were the ones like supposedly supposed to hold on, be there in Jerusalem with the temple and everything else. Well, they get buck wild, no pun intended to buccaneers. And so they go crazy. And then all of a sudden what happens, the Babylonians, who become the world power at that time, they come and they take them away. Well, they're in what they call the land of Aram. And through Aram, you learn the language of Aram, Aramaic. 
And so when they were released to go back into Jerusalem or back into modern-day Israel, they took along that language. And so they spoke some Aramaic. If you've watched The Passion of the Christ, which is an old movie about 10 years old at least, maybe uh, 12 years old, it, it was in Aramaic. There's only about 3,000 people still speaking that language today. It's Aramaic. And so here we have this interesting word, this Aramaic word. Now, here's why I want you to know prayer drives our relationship. It drives up hope because it strengthens and reminds us of our relationship with God. Okay, the first gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke, John, they put that in the New Testament. The reason why the editors put Matthew in first is because Matthew is written from a what perspective? Anybody know? Just guesses. Jewish perspective. All right, so because we're going from Old Testament to New, they put a Jewish perspective. But the first gospel written down, and as we know in our transcripts, and let me tell you something, they're brilliant men. People say, well, I just don't know. Maybe things are lost in trans. Let me tell you something. These Greek scholars, we have 5,000 copies or fragments of the New Testament. 5,000. We don't have too little. We have too much. And these scholars, poor, these men are brilliant. I'll spend some time with some of them cats. Brilliant. I mean, they don't miss, they don't miss a jot or a tittle. And so what happens is, is the, 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 the New Testament, the first one written down was the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, there's this point that Jesus is in prayer and he cries out. He cries out at the very moment uh, he's getting ready to get arrested. He cries out in a prayer in Mark chapter 14. Let's just look at that if you don't mind. Just turn to Mark chapter 14. Sorry, Lisa, I'm sorry about that, but I just kind of feel led to go there. Mark, it's the first gospel written down. Now, I know the editors put Matthew first, but they did that for a reason. You've got to understand the brilliancy of these people. They were saying we're going from this Jewish mindset into this gospel mindset. So that Matthew's that written to Jews is a great bridge. But Mark is kind of just this quick, fast-action movie saying, listen, here's the gospel, fast. So in Mark chapter 14, in verse 36, Jesus is the very night he's betrayed. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is his prayer. We get a snippet of his prayer, and this is what he says, verse 36. And he, that is Jesus, said, Jesus said, what's the next word, saints? Abba. The very first gospel written down at the very horrific moment of Jesus' life, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. In other words, remove the cross. But if you won't remove the cross, I'm submitting to it. This is what's beautiful. In the prayer of the first gospel that we have written down, Jesus recommits himself to the plan and purpose of God through prayer. Through prayer. The first one he commits is in, he calls him Abba. This, this relationship that is more. In the Old Testament, we, we read about God as this, this majestic holy being. He enters in this covenant relationship. But Jesus was the first one to use this word meaning daddy. It's okay to call God daddy. 
John, Jesus said, our Father. You're exactly right. He also said, Abba, Father. It's a special relationship. It's a, it, when he uses a word in a special relationship, he is saying this to everyone around I have a relationship with God that none of you know about, that none of you can have apart from me. Now here's what's beautiful. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, calls us sons of what? Of who? God. We have that relationship because of Jesus. We can cry out, Abba, Father. So this is a unique relationship. I love um, what the scholar said. He said this, uh, believed to be the first gospel of Mark, we find the Aramaic word Abba, which Jesus uses in praying to his Father, points to Jesus' unique relationship. Even Jesus reminding himself of the hope and the love of God. Even Jesus, as one scholar said, recommitted his plan, recommitted himself to the plan of God through prayer. It was through prayer. This is why the Lord's Prayer starts out with our Father, because everything is based on our relationship with God. God, the Father, our Daddy. Listen, many people can be a father, but very few people can be a what? That's right. Many of you in this room had a father, but you didn't have a daddy. You didn't have a daddy. And I want to give you a danger. Don't superimpose your earthly relationship with your father on your relationship with your heavenly father. Don't take the idea of your earthly father and put that on God. It's dangerous compared to God to man. That's a dangerous place. So what happens is, is that think about who God is. God is the Lord Almighty. He is, he is our father. He is our daddy. When Abraham needed reassurance with the covenant uh, about God, who is our father? One version calls him the Lord Almighty. Who is this Lord Almighty? He was the one who made the covenant with Abraham and reminded Abraham in Genesis 17. When Hannah was childless, she called to her father, the Lord Almighty. When he's father, he's not just father, daddy, but he's father with power. And when you're praying to him, when you're praying to him, you're praying to a daddy who has power. See, I want y'all to know, and I taught you this, my daddy was a judge. And my dad had authority. In that courtroom, he had authority. And anybody who entered that courtroom, I don't care who you were, I don't care how many millions of dollars you had, I don't care if you made a 1600 on your SAT, I don't care how great your grades are, you meant nothing in his courtroom. Because you could be locked up like everybody else for contempt of court. You better listen. And so what happens is when your father has authority, sometimes it rubs off on the kids that they think they got. Are y'all tracking me? Sometimes the kids, they got a little authority. So sometimes I get a like, you know, I'm a little kid. I'm like, hey, you going to jail and I'm not. Hey, hey, hey. Never mind. Um, uh, so <laughs> I wasn't doing the nene then. But when he was spanking me, I was doing the nene. Um, my, my point being, my point being this is that my dad reminded me quickly in that courtroom that I was no better than anybody else. In fact, John, you're going to go sit. You're going to sit with the people. I remember sitting in the courtroom. And sometimes they would sit me with people that are going to jail. Like, why can't I sit on the people that are like just there watching? Why do I got to sit with those people? Because he reminded me there's a thin line between me and them. And it's called mercy. 
You see, but with God, we're praying to a God with power. He, he, Hannah, he gave Hannah, allowed her to become pregnant. This is the father we're talking about. When David took on Goliath, he said, he called God the Lord Almighty. Um, when Elijah took on the prophets of Baal, all 450, he called our father the Lord Almighty. When King David, the word of God says in 1 Chronicles eleven nine, became more powerful because the Lord Almighty was with him. When you're in prayer, your hope increases because we're reminded of our relationship with a big God. He can fix any and every situation we're in. Listen, the reason why things happen and people go opposite ways is because they lose. If my wife is searching after God with all her heart and I'm searching after God with all my heart, guess what our hearts are going to do? They're going to connect. Listen, I don't, have to get, I don't have to get into neuroscience behind this stuff. And I love neuroscience, but when you get into your uh, 40s and some people 50s, your brain changes. It's called halftime. And the people that you marry, that you're younger, some people go, oh, my, my life's going a different way. It's because, listen, it's because our brain changes. There's, they literally can break this down in neuroscience and show you. But the, but the root of it is we change because we begin to see the shortness of life compared to the length of life in the front end. But if God is the epicenter of everything that I do, then he brings everything together forever because he doesn't change even though my heart wants to change. He cha- that's, I'm telling you, like that's, he's the glue. He's the glue to a, a football team. He's the glue to friendship. He's the glue to, to marriage. He's the glue to your calling in life. You will want to walk away from everything God called you to. You will want to walk away. Trust me, there are a thousand times that I would love to just say, God, I want some Sundays off. And he just very nicely says, shut up. Because I, I know he says he shut up because shut up, he didn't answer my prayer. <laughs> You know, he stopped talking to me because I asked some crazy stuff. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is, this is our Father. He is beautiful. He is, as as one author said, he is changelessness uh, of God. He's the creator. He's desiring of salvation. He is over all. He's eternal. He is forgiving. He is good. He is compassionate. He is merciful. And he is in control when I'm out of control. That's the God we serve. When you pray and I pray, our father daddy and today we can going to enter in a time in just a little bit where we call out on daddy daddy help me listen when if i just yell out father there might be a lot of people turn around but when i yell out daddy when my father was alive he knew my voice and jesus said in the gospel of john my sheep come on somebody know my what come on the lord knows you even when you don't know him. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew you before he formed you in the womb. If he wanted it just for Jeremiah, he would have not put it in the bottle. That's the key. The Lord is indescribable. And that is why in Matthew 6, we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are added unto him. Because when we seek Jesus, we get everything that we need. According to his riches and glory, Philippians chapter 4, God will answer us. He loves us. These are the ones. But here's what happens. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. But here's what happens. Here's what hinders our prayer. Oh, I got the move. I got so much more. This is so good, so good. Verse 15. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by who we cry, Abba, Father. Notice the first part of that verse. Notice, saints, he says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into what, saints? See, fear, fear of God in, in, a, in a negative way. I know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I got all that in Proverbs. The, the fear of the Lord means this. God is God, and I am not, and I better have a respect for what he says. That's what that, that's the idea of the fear. The fear of the Lord is a submissive, like I, he is bigger than me and he is greater than me and I bow before him because he is good and kind. I mean, it's got, encompasses all that. But I'm talking about the negative aspect of fear where there's this paralyzation because you're afraid or I'm afraid of my relationship. See, relationships are destroyed by fear. But his relationship with us is built on love for God so so why do we fear? Oh, there's two things that come to my mind. The first thing is our hearts condemn us. Like, for example, I really don't want to pray to God when I'm living in sin. I'm just being straight up. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want to get right when I love acting wrong. I mean, did y'all not go through high school? Hello? Anybody here? Does something. If you are living in sin and you are not having fun, then you don't know how to sin. Can I, can I get a witness by somebody? You just don't know how to sin. Like, I had a blast when I was sinning. I didn't like the repercussions of it. But I loved it. I had joy in my heart before I got suspended from school numerous times. Don't do what I did. Your parents will kill me. My point is, sin is fun for the moment. But here's the problem with sin. And the problem with sin is it's just not enough, and it's never enough, and we've got to do more and more and more of it just to compensate for, this, for the conviction of the Spirit. So what happens is, sometimes I don't want to talk to God when I'm living in sin. So it's that fear. It creates this fear like, oh, God's going to judge me. Uh, I'm just not saying, I'm, I'm out of this, all this stuff. Listen, I understand that conviction is good. Conviction is good. But if fear is ruling you from coming back to God, then we don't know the goodness of God that we love. Then there's another one, another fear, we're afraid of being alone. Uh, sometimes fear keeps us like, God, I got to go serve you, I got to do this, I'll be all alone. But here's what, here's what happens, I want to give you something beautiful. Well, God, I don't really want to do what you call me to do, because that means I got to suffer a little bit. Let's keep going in scripture, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Sometimes you will be in a situation where it's just you and the Holy Spirit's yes that is enough for you to keep going in your life. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Listen, when I went into pastoring, there was nobody who agreed with me outside of the Spirit. But here's what's interesting. The Spirit told me to do it. I did it. Everybody thought I was... Muy loco. Now, I know you think I'm muy loco, but I was way muy loco before, right? Everybody, my mom, my dad, my, my brother, they all, they all think, woohoo, he's gone. John is off the deep end. He's gone into la-la Christian land. And here's the problem with that. It was only me and the Holy Spirit at that point. And the Holy Spirit was testifying to me, you're doing what you're called to do. You're doing what you're called to do. And then this, and something interesting happened. Then the people on this side that loved the Lord, began to see the Spirit of God in me. And guess what they did? Instead of being naysayers, they started becoming cheerleaders. They crossed over and began to say, I do see the Spirit of God in you. 
I do sense the presence of God when you're preaching. and you're pa- I do sense that in your teaching. And then all of a sudden, they begin to join along. And all of a sudden, I begin to read about King David. And when he was all alone, and he was all alone, and he was all alone, then all of a sudden, God would begin to send him warriors and defectors from Saul because they realized that the Spirit of God and being with a man of God who follows the Spirit of God is more precious than anything the world can give them. So this is what happens to us. So God begins to eradicate that fear. And we need this reminder. Let's keep reading. The Spirit of God uh, himself bears witness with our spirit that we're a child of God or children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Check this out. Provided we what, saints? Suffer what? Yeah, see, here's the deal. He didn't say suffer for him. Oh, yeah, we got to get the right preposition. Did I say that right? Was that a right preposition? We got to suffer with him. In other words, you're not alone when you suffer. Why? Because you suffer with him. See, we only suffer in places where Jesus is rejected. But guess what? When the whole world rejects Jesus, Jesus is still with us. Mm. Right? Jesus is still with us. The people that are being beheaded, Jesus is still with them. It could be like Stephen S. It could be like Acts 7, where he's standing to receive these people. Woo, what a welcome. When Jesus stands up, you know you somebody. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Like, listen, my mom, if I don't stand up when somebody walks to the table, she will still pinch me to the day. And that woman's got fake nails. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Back here in my fat right here? That hurts. I'm like, Mama, I'm I'm not five. She said, but you still my son. You're going to stand up when a woman walks to the table. Why? It's a matter of respect. And and Jesus was standing up in Acts 7 giving Stephen respect. What? Jesus is with us in your suffering. When you're in a place and you're at your job or you're in a marriage or you're with friends or you're at some apartment and you're in your dorm life, whatever it is, let me tell you something. Jesus is with you and for him to go away from you would make him a liar because he said, never will I. Come on. Come on. We can talk back. This is Summit. We pinto beans and cornbread. Y'all know who y'all are. Y'all the ones going wild, right? That's what it is. We need to be reminded of that relationship. Jesus is with us. Revelation chapter 1, 12 through 13. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. The lampstands are churches. And in the midst of the lampstand, uh, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. Jesus walks among his churches. He is with us. And in prayer, we are reminded that he is with us and his greatness and his goodness and that he will never leave us. And our hope is accelerated that he can fix anything and anyone because of him. That's the God I serve. And if he can't fix something, then I don't want to serve him. And I don't want to give my life to him. So Rob, you're going to you got to come up here and play over me because we're getting ready to land this plane. Y'all ready? Y'all smell what the Spirit's cooking? I'm just taking, you know, a little Dwayne Johnson and moving around a little bit. You know, y'all with me? Okay, y'all not having fun today. Y'all need a donut. All right, here we go. The Holy Spirit, here's, here's the second way, and we're going to land it. And then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you and ask myself to pray and see what God does. See, I don't have to defend God. He can defend himself. All I have to do is proclaim God. 
The Holy Spirit increases hope through prayer by helping us in our weakness. <laughs> I feel light. I'm not. All right, so verse 18. I'm 200 and none of your business. All right, here we go. Nine, uh, verse 18. Romans 8. Here we go. You ready? Let's go. We're going to dive in hard. We are going to dive in hard because y'all are the ones who are wild, and I love you, and now you're wild for Jesus, so we're going to get wild. Some of you are like, I don't need to get I'm already there, John. Well, go ahead with your Holy Ghost party. All right. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing, excuse me, not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Listen, saints. When you're in prayer, it changes our view. The Spirit changes our view of the situation. You in a bad situation, get into prayer. Because when you get into prayer, you stop seeing with your eyes and you start seeing with your heart. The heart that's committed to the Lord. Everything changes with God. He can change any situation. He can change anyone. God is using Charleston to change this nation, showing them that love wins. And it's not man-made love. It's not man-made love. For the creation, and he gives us example of the world, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And we, we can say yes to that because when people love Jesus and they're in authority, things just go better. The creation longs because, listen, when people are not right with the Lord, they destroy it, they litter. There's, there's rudeness, there's arrogance, there's meanness, there's destruction. There's, like we don't honor the things that God has made. We take advantage of them. Like you, say, you don't know what you're talking about, John. Really? You ever been in a relationship with somebody who's selfish? They don't honor you. They just honor themselves. That's why they take advantage of you. And then when you don't give them what they want, as much as they want, whenever they want, guess what happens? They walk away from you and say you didn't really help them. And you're left like a shriveled raisin sitting over there on the side. And they go to the next outlet. They can plug in and suck them dry. You know I'm telling the truth. See, the creation is longing. This world is longing for the children of God to stand up. Stand up. Run for office. Apply for a new job. Stand strong in, in a relationship. Stand up for the Lord. The creation is longing. It will go better. The world will be better because of the people of God, because of the presence of God in the people of God. Verse 20. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Watch what he's going to explain that passage. You're going, what does that say? That in creation, itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. When the children of God run the nation, when the children of God run relationships, when the children of God run businesses, when the children of God are the coaches and the teachers and the doctors and the lawyers and, and the repair people and anything else, and they're the greatest chef, whatever it is, and when they're in control, things change because of the anointing of God. Not because of us, but because of Him. And the world is a better place. Creation is longing to be put back to right. 
For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. That is called tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes. The world is longing to be put back to right like it was with Eden. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's why we're longing. We're longing for the perfect. We're, we've been put back to right, but we're not completely right, are we? Do we still sin? Do you still sin? Yeah, because we're longing for the day that we're the, listen, we, we won't sin. When we're in the presence of Jesus, like Robbie, everything is great. Like, he'll never hit a wrong note. He'll never forget a word. I'll never say a wrong thing. I'll never jack up a sermon. I mean, it'll all be beautiful because every moment in Christ will be brand new. When we're in heaven, it will be brand new. Every second, every moment, you won't be thinking about the last moment because it'll be like it's fresh and new. Man, everything is groaning to be put back to right. Verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That's why the last part of Revelation says, Maranatha, come quickly. People of God longing for the full presence of God. We got the Holy Spirit, but we don't have the Trinity For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. I just explained this to you. Hebrews 11.1, 1, you ought to get this. Hope, now hope that is seen is not hope. If you're hoping for a relationship to be right, and it's right, you don't need hope. For who hopes for what he sees? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with what, saints? That's called faith. You actively wait. You actively put your resume out. You actively find the right person. You actively try to work on the marriage. You actively try to make things right. You try to actively do things right. We try to actively wait for the presence of God. Who knows God might show up if I do what I'm supposed to do as a believer. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Uh Uh-oh, there's the point. The Holy Spirit increases hope. Through prayer, by helping us in our weakness when we pray. That's the point. Unless, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I can go on, but I'm going to stop there. It's in our weakness that our prayers become the most powerful. I'll go over here. It is in your weakness that your prayers are the most powerful. Why? Because that's when the Spirit's doing all the work. That's why there are groanings. The Spirit is, listen, there's some times when I pray that I just can't see anything but just go, Ugh. you ever been there? You ever been when it's that deep? Ugh. The Spirit is just interceding. I mean, like a, like a flood coming in and increasing my hope Then in the midst of the darkest hour god can do something because when i am weak i am really what but the poor now say he's rich this is all spiritual language see sometimes we're weak we're just weak 
And that's good. You're weak in this way. I might be weak in this way. God, I'm just too weak to forgive. What they did to me is just too much. You been that way? I'm too weak to forgive. I'm too weak to love. I'm just tapped out. I'm done. I'm going this way. That person's there. I'm too weak to love. Uh, And there's another one. Too weak to press on. I'm using a little scripture here. I'm just too weak to press on. I can't just keep pressing on. I'm too weak to have faith. I love, I love when people talk like that. Why? Because that's when God comes in. Mark 9, 24, the, the boy's father was doubting that Jesus could hear him. And immediately, this is scripture, Mark 9, 24 says this. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That's scripture. Maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe that's you coming in and say, God, increase my hope in whatever situation it is. Even if I'm praying for somebody, I've been praying for so long, and they're so far from you, and so far in this situation, or healing or whatever else, we're praying, God, increase my hope, help my unbelief. Maybe I'm just too weak in my faith. The apostle said, in Luke 17, verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. And this is for somebody I was talking with this morning. This person knows who they are. This is the prophetic word for you. That is why, 2 Corinthians 12.10, I'm quoting scripture. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Who needs to pray? Don't let pride, if you're physically able, keep you there. The enemy will go, I I just don't want to be seen. Let me tell you something. If you are saying to yourself right now, I just don't want to be noticed, then what you're saying is, God, pass over me. When the Lord wants to speak to you. In your weakness, the very moment, I'm too weak to hope. I'm too weak to believe. I'm too weak to be strong. I'm too I'm not good enough. My sins are way too much. Are you kidding me? If sins were too much, then Jesus is too small. But the bigger the sin, the bigger the God. Who needs to call upon Daddy? Father, we come to you now. This is our prayer. Who in this room just wants to come? Just get in front of you. So here I am, Lord. Here's where I'm struggling. This is my weakness. This is what I'm, I, I don't think can happen. This is what I don't think can be done. This, that, Lord, maybe it's where I am in my life and I feel so distant from you, whatever it might be. Lord, will you just absolutely flood this place with the cries of your people that are calling upon you and i know some people are out there saying but i'm just not right with with god i'm just not right with god well here's a chance lord for them to get right with you to submit to to jesus 
maybe they've given their life to you before and they've just kind of walked far away. They can recommit, resubmit, and fall upon the rock. Maybe there's some in this room that never, their eyes have never been opened to the beauty of Jesus. I beg you. You destroyed Satan at the cross, destroyed the blindness he has on the people's hearts right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, destroy it so that they can see Jesus is the only way. Fill this place, Lord, with people called, that are calling in prayer for others, for themselves, for circumstances and situations. When we are weak, we are strong because you are our rescuer. You are our deliverer. You will not abandon us, leave us, forsake us, and we will not suffer alone. We are with you and you are with us. And when we can't hold on to you anymore, Lord, you've always been holding us. So we come and we worship you now. Come. We call upon Jesus. Jesus.